Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode number 118 of the Tuesday Night Comics podcast. I'm Billy, and with me, as always, is Dave. Hey, guys. 118, that sounds like, uh, that sounds really cool. Um, yeah. I, don't, I don't know why 118 sounds really cool, but it's just like, I think it's because, you know, it's not like 120. It's not, but it just sounds like, you know, legit for some yeah. reason. It sounds like an established number of episodes. Yeah. And like, oh, no, we're up to 118. Yeah. Uh, oh, how many? It, it was that, that was like that guy running here at New York Comic Con. He was like, oh, you do a comic podcast? I used to do a comic podcast. Uh, we're, you know, we made, we were pretty hardcore about it. We made a lot of episodes. I was like, oh, really? Uh, and I said, how many did you make? And he's like, well, you know, like we did a bunch and then it kind of like petered out. But he's like, we went for a while. I was like, well, how many did you do? He's like, 16. I was like, Huh. Mm. I was like, uh, yeah, okay. I was like, and he's like, how many of you guys have? I was like, over 100. <laughs> <laughs> or close to 100, I guess, at that point. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, think we were at like <laughs> Right, right. Uh, yeah. So we got some big news this week. That Rogue One trailer dropped in. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, I had like mixed feelings about it. Really? What were your what were your feelings? I mean, don't get me wrong. I like the trailer, um, and you know, I'm definitely going to see the movie. You know, uh, depending on how my life is at that point. You know, mm-hmm. whether it's in the theater or on DVD, um, sure. uh, that will you know be you know that'll be the judge there. But um, you know, I'm sold on the movie in in that I want to see it. But at the same time, like when I watch it, is like remember the the plans of this part of this well now we're going to tell you the backstory of that and like it just seems like a uh, and it, it just seems to me like a, a a like dark horse miniseries oh interesting see <laughs> and, i you know and i'm it, not trying to put down the dark horse miniseries or yeah. like a direct to dvd movie and yeah. um I mean, and I'm not saying that for the acting or for the um, special effects or anything like that. And I think it's cool that they're taking a a such a small part in the grand scheme of things of the you know, right? And and building it up to something more, and you know, building a, a universe in the movies, which they usually do in like you know other mediums, you know um so like you know i'm i'm definitely interested in it but it also feels a little like oh and it was interesting because um there's a guy at work who is a big star wars fan and he Mm -hmm. was like did you see the new star wars movie uh trailer came out the rogue one thing and i was like is that the han solo prequel is he the rogue? And he was like, no, 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 no. He's like, oh, I can't even talk to you. <laughs> yeah. He's like, no, this is the one about the the plans for the Death Star. And I was like, oh, that one. I was like, no, I did not say. He's like, I'll send it to you. And so he was like, oh, it's amazing. And I was like, it was a really good trailer. I was like, it seems like a cool movie. I was like, it also seems like really like and like like real like like minutia type stuff and so like we work with a bunch of i mostly work with women okay and uh you know like main characters woman like and you could tell they're going for that the the woman audience and like 
you know, that was passed around to them as well. And, you know, they're all in like the like 20, between like 22 and 39 audience, you know? Right. And so like, I think a little of this is hitting them and they were all like, they're like, wait, so when is this? Wait, what? <laughs> so this is, so wait, hold on. There's, so the original ones, not the one, not the Jar Jar Binks ones. So those ones, this is after the, this is before the first one where they, the, so they have the, the plans for the big thing they blew up like eight times over. And, and uh, the, the guy who I work with is like, yes, that's it. They're like, that's a really weird thing to have a movie about. <laughs> oh, and, man. And so, like, I was like, and I had the same feeling, although I was, like, sold because, like, I, like I'm still into that. <laughs> like, I'm like, that's a really weird thing to have a movie. That's, like, a small piece of thing that, you know, and I was like, but that's kind of cool. But I, and at the same time, I'm like, this seems like a comic. This seems like a, a novel. This seems like a, you know, extended universe uh type thing so but i was like that's cool they're doing it as a movie um but it was interesting to hear like you know non-star wars fans you know their reaction to like to this movie and you know I, that might you know that might be reflected in the box office sales i have to agree with your co-worker the star wars fan i love that trailer i cannot get enough of it and i disagree that it's minutia this is like the, the the crux point of uh of the rebels plans in the original star wars movie and that one of the big mysteries was you know they they allude to that a lot of boffins lost their lives to get us these death star plans um but we don't know really anything about that and it has actually been addressed i think in um, in the expanded universe before in this in the short story possibly even in a comic but like a dark horse miniseries so it's funny when you when you brought that up because i think that actually right. did happen and the um, reason why i call it minutia is that like the two big star wars fans that we've addressed so far like co-worker and you know it but nobody else does like course. nobody else does it and that's why it's minutia everyone else and is not... an idiot like <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's 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 put that out there. There are people who think this is the best thing in the world, and then they're idiots. <laughs> well, well, the and, present and, present company excluded. And and you know, like I think I fall somewhere in between because I I like Star Wars and I know enough about the world, and you know, I, and I'm in, entrenched in like geek culture for yeah. for lack of a better term. Um, that like I'm like, oh, this this seems cool. I would watch it um as as opposed to you know people who are going out to see this and i think the the big difference that you're going to see here is that like my mother-in-law and sister-in-law who like i don't know if either of them saw any star wars before this they they binge watched all the original trilogy wow to then go see this because of the buzz and like how big like of a pop culture thing this was you know um, so they totally beat my wife on watching all the Star Wars That's really <laughs> um, funny. but um but I don't think you're gonna get people like that or like all my co-workers like all these co-workers who were like man they all went to see the last Star Wars movie yeah um and it might part of my excitement I think 
comes from the fact that I also just rewatched The Force Awakens. I bought it on Blu-ray. Um, it the movie is just as good at home as it was in the theater. I have to say, mm. um, I, I have at like unlike the prequels, where I remember getting really excited for Episode One and walking out of the theater going, "That was a great movie. That was such a good movie." And then like. You know, seeing it a couple more times that weekend, and uh, a few months later, though, getting that wasn't really that good. <laughs> um, this movie, like I think, really captures the uh, the spirit of the originals. And what I love about this new one that's coming out, Rogue One, is that um, it takes place during that re rebellion time. You know, we see an ad at like on the screen. They're in, in like the old clunky X-wings. Like I. That is that is my bread and butter, man. I, I love it. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think this is something that might do well. Um, but it might not be the, like, opening, you know. Yeah, uh, I, I think it's going to do fantastic because there's a whole new generation of Star Wars fans. Like, kids are really into Star Wars these days. Uh, you know. <laughs> Um, and, and I'm not saying that it, it won't do well, but I don't think it's going to do Force Awakens well. Yeah, of course. Not. And, and I think it, it it is that like, um, oh, is this the next in the Star Wars thing? Well, no, it's kind of like Star Wars 3.5, you know, and I, that kind of, that's the... Um, I bet it does better than the next Star Trek movie. Probably. Yeah. Down the gauntlet. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. <laughs> um, I think it will be the biggest, or at the very least, top five, top grossing movies of that year. When it comes out. Of this year? This year? It's, yeah. it's this, this year. This year. Okay, I wasn't sure if it was this year or next year. I think it will be in the top five grossing movies of this year. Because it's coming out around Christmas time, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. It's, it's going to be yeah, I mean, uh, I think the thing that might save it is that if it's like a fantastic movie and everyone's like, oh, "This is fantastic," you have to see it. I think that will will could could be the turning point. You know, yeah, I, I think it will outgross uh, Deadpool. I think it will outgross Superman, Batman. I would. I, I think I even think it would outgross. Well, I don't know, Captain America: Civil War. I think Captain America: Civil War is going to be the hardest. Uh, the, hard, the hardest competition for it, not at the box office because they're going to be at the box office six months apart from each other, but at, at, as far as like dollars total, being made, yeah, 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 yeah. And and don't get me wrong, I, I I think they'll make money on it, but I think that's the kind of thing uh, that's dangerous for your property for people to be like, what they're doing, what uh, like, and that's when you get the feeling that, or people start getting feeling that this is they're trying to make money off of you. Okay, I, I see what you're saying. You know, and, and you know, like I said, I'm I'm definitely sold on it, but I could see those reactions being like a negative thing throughout the, you know, like, and I'm sure there's, you know, many people who are like, oh, that's cool. I I would see it. I'm not a big Star Wars fan. That sounds cool, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, it should be interesting. Where that I may have up. watched that trailer five times in a row. <laughs> That's uh, funny. That's how excited I was for it. I was like, ah, I just got to watch this again. <laughs> um, to be fair, I did this uh, with the Sports Awakened show. I think I watched it 30 times in a row. Like wow. it, it dropped on Thanksgiving or on Black Friday, and I just kept like replaying it on, on the computer. <laughs> I was like, it's so good.
I just need it. Oh man, when Han says Chewy, we're home. It's the, like the best thing ever. <laughs> so, what is the D Dan DiDio's challenge at DC Comics? So it's um, if you if anybody remembers the 1980s, um, uh, there was a a series called the DC Challenge. I don't remember that. So get art from it right now. I do not remember this book at all. <laughs> so okay, let me let me pitch it to you. You know when you're you're camping and you're sitting around the bonfire and you play the game where someone starts a story and then they stop and then the next person in the circle picks up where they oh, left yeah, off. Totally. So that is what DC challenges. Um uh, except with artists and writers of a comic book and it, it spans a year-long series. Interesting. And so I, I, you know, I didn't read that series and it's a very interesting concept. Right. Um, and as, and uh, this is always, this is going, the subject matter is going to be Commandy, the last boy on earth. Okay. Um, and I, and, and the creative teams are, are great here. But it just kind of makes I, me go, that seems like it could be like a big fail real quickly. Yeah. I don't know if I would, if this is something that I would pick up. It seems like a gamble for, you know, my two ninety nine. I think, yeah. Well, what are some of the creative things? Because I think if you're doing a commandy book, and your hook is that every issue is going to be by a different creative team that continues the story. You've got to get some like stellar creative teams because Commandy is not selling himself. Right. Um, and some of the creative teams are one moment as this page loads. Um, all right. Oh, you know what? The link that I, I had on the page does not link to where I saw the creative teams. Hmm. Um, sorry about that. Um, I think like Ivan Rice is, is um, doing it. Um, all right, here we go. All right. Uh, there's going to be 13 teams. Uh, they are Dan Abnett and Dale Eaglesham, okay. um, Peter Tomasi and uh, Neil Adams, Amanda okay. Connor and Jimmy Palmiotti, uh, James Tinian the Fourth and Carlos uh, Donata, uh, Dianda, uh, mm -hmm. Bill Willingham and Ivan Rice, Steve Orlando and Philip Tan, Marguerite Bennett. And Dan Jurgens, Keith Giffen, and Steve Rude, Tom King, and Kevin Eastman, Greg Pack, and Joe Prado, Job, uh, Rob Williams, and Walter Simonson, Gail Simone, and Ryan Sook, as well as Len Wein and Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. Mm. And so, like, there's some names that really stand out in there, and then there's some names that I'm like, eh. <laughs> Yeah, um, I, uh, that's this. 
It would really have to be really good. I think I'd let a couple of issues get published before I picked one up. I think I would rely heavily on reviews. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This this sounds like it could be really cool or just be a big, uh, can't think of a clean word to use for the podcast. Right. And it seems like, you know, it, my guess is it's going to start pretty solid. Like, you're going to get like Peter Tomasi and Neil Adams, and you're going to be like, wow, this is great. Right. And then you're going to get, you know, somebody like, you know, Steve Orlando and Philip Tan. And like, I, I'm I'm not crapping on Steve Orlando, Philip Tan. I, I'm crapping on Philip Tan. But, you know, like some of these don't seem like the best, like you're like, whoa. And then I would love if those guys picked it up. Um, yeah. Some, a little bit of this feels a little bit like, Oh, and then we need another person here, you know. Um, totally. So, um, some of it seems exciting, some of it doesn't. You know, it's a very weird, weird thing. So, um, and then, uh, but yeah. So, um, can I, I've got one other piece of news here? Okay. And it's a bit of a spoiler. Okay. Um, and and you won't you won't mind that it's a spoiler because it's for Arrow. Ah, okay. Um, but uh, if anybody watches Arrow and has not caught up on the last episode, please you know skip ahead a little bit here. Yeah. Or watch um, the so, episode. Yeah, go watch the episode. Come back, listen to this. Yeah. Um, so in the latest episode, uh, Black Canary dies. What? Yeah, and they do it's it in this since like episode one, right? Right. And like, you know, in the show, you're kind of like, oh, you know, Ollie and, you know, uh, Laurel here. Uh, they don't use Dinah in, in the show, but Laurel is going to they're going to eventually get together. And it and now they're like, boom, not going to happen. The weird thing was, is that the scene um, happened like her death kind of took place off scene a little bit like all of a sudden like you know they were talking and then all of a sudden like uh you see like people rushing down the hall and you don't see it transpire where she goes from being okay to dying so like you know um they say they're not bringing her back and that they're not doing it with magic and they're not they're not gonna uh fake a death because they've already done that they're not doing something that they've done before but the whole setup seems a little like Oh well, you guys did this like you cut this very interestingly. So something's going to happen here. Um, in the uh, at the same time, like if you watch the episode, it's one of those episodes where you're like, oh, so so Laurel or Black Canary is going to die because they're doing a whole lot with their character, way more than they've done in like the past season. So I like on a lost episode, anytime anyone would get over their father issues, they'd immediately die. Right, 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 right. Or like, you know, like if, if you want to know who gets kicked off on a reality challenge show, right. like it's it's easy to, to pick it out because they're focusing on that character. Yeah, that person either wins that week or they're going home that week. Right, right, right. And so, like, it was easy to tell, but um, uh, apparently she's going to be sticking around in the CW DC universe uh, with uh, different um, appearances. She's going to be uh, 
making appearance in the second season of Vixen, uh, telling the tale of how her and Vixen first met. Um, and she's also going to play her Earth 2 doppelganger. Um, I think her name's uh, Black Siren in, the, in that, which is the character that was used in the Legends episode of uh, Justice League where Black Canary, um, they couldn't use like the Justice Society. Um, yeah. So they used these like doppelgangers that they made up for the show. Yeah. So very interesting uh, that that all played out um, like that. Um, it also felt like a little bit, um, I don't know, like they were like, I don't know what to do with this character. Let's kill her. But let's build her up right before we kill her. So it felt a little cheap in some ways, but um, yeah. So. yeah. And this is also a show that has featured the League of Assassins who resurrects people. Um this might not be the last we see of Black Canary. Right. So. Like, didn't her sister die and get resurrected by the League of Assassins? Yeah. So, but one of the things that Mark Guggenheim said is that, like, we're never doing something twice. So mm. you're not going to see that. Mm. So. Yeah, sure. And the New 52 is not a reboot. Right, right, <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, so. Anyway. That is big news for Arrow fans. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. Let's talk about our 20. What are you buying this week, Dave? Well, you know what? Um, I looked at your 20 before I started. Um, and I, I saw you're putting uh, Wonder Woman Earth 1 on there. Yeah. Um, and I was like, I, I technically am too. But I was like, I'm going to put that aside so I could talk about other books. That's so we good. have a little bit of a different 20. Yeah, um, there are, and there are some exciting books coming out this week that you're featuring. Yeah, yeah. So uh, number one on my list is House of Penance by Peter Tomasi and Ian Bertram. Um, and this is, uh, we talked about this, you know, um, a couple months ago. Yeah. Uh, it's about a real life uh, haunted house, the Winchester House, uh, famous for its original owner's bizarre compulsion to incorporate a multitude of architectural curiosities. Um, mm -hmm. And he, you know, blends in with this um you know uh, real life horror and um uh things about gun violence and all this stuff um and uh scott snyder gave a quote for the book saying blending horror history and fiction house of uh penance stands as a singular triumph damasi mm -hmm. and bertham have created something truly special with this book and uh garth ennis says House of Penance is Peter Tomasi's finest work to date, a haunting, macabre experience that will stand with any thoughtful reader long after its conclusion. A fine wow. tale, well told and highly recommended. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm super excited to read this. Nice. Um, yeah, me too. Next up, uh, oh, so that's four dollars. Next up is uh, Star Wars special. C-3PO number one by James Robinson with art by Tony Harris. And that's $5. Um, and uh, price tag's kind of a punch in the nuts. I know, but like James Robinson and Tony Harris. Um, right. Man. So it's so funny. Like, I love how like Marvel solicitations are uh, written. And they're like, I find out here the blockbuster uh, creative team of James Robinson and Tony Harris of DC Starman reunite 
for the first time in two decades. They're like, we are, you know, like, I, we don't care if we're going to be like, this is, you know, DC's Starman, you know. Um, oh, they, they, brought the, they brought those two together specifically to, like, drone Starman fans. Right, right. And so, you know, I'm there no matter what. Yeah, it's like, not to compare these guys to Jack Kirby, but it's like when DC brought in Jack Kirby, and it was like, you know, the king is coming, and and it was a big deal because he was such a Marvel creator. Right. Uh, and these two as a team, it's like, yeah, that's Starman. Like, they yeah. haven't d- done anything together since then, right? Um, they did a, a JSA uh, backup, oh, okay. uh, a one-issue backup um, that's collected in this starman omnibus so um the the two decades is is a a little bit of a you know a push because it's it's not that accurate but like it's the first time that they've worked together on like a full issue of anything i would say um but yeah we get to see about c3 where c3po got that red arm yeah that's (laughs) minutia It is. It is. Like, um, they made a movie about that. You'd be like, "What the heck?" <laughs> Wait, a see there you a movie. I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's five bucks. Next up is another Marvel book that's also five dollars. Marvel, you're killing me with these five dollar books. And um, Jeff Lemire is going to be writing Moon Knight. So this is Moon Knight number one uh, by Jeff Lemire and Greg Smallwood. Um, you know, I've been. Uh, I've been reading all of Jeff Lemire's stuff, but pretty soon he's going to like be writing so much that I'm like, eh, I can't do all of this. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, so yeah, so I, I'm, I've never read a Moon Knight book in my life. Uh, so it should be interesting. I'll let you know. I, I just know that he's like kind of a Batman knockoff a little bit. Kinda, yeah. As far as like, you know, costume and power set go, totally. But he is the character. Moon Knight is so weird because he has split personalities, multiple personalities. He was given his powers by an Egyptian god, or is he just a crazy person, or is it both? Um, but over the years, has like has has multiple personalities, and they usually usually the writers like really play around with that too. I, I find him to be one of one of those characters that like when I was a kid, I was like, Oh, Moon Knight seems really cool. Cause he was a West coast Avenger for a little while. Mm-hmm. And it's just a character I can never get into though. Like when he had a solo series in the nineties, uh, the Bendis, uh, short lived series that it was, um, was really good with art by Alex Maleev. But, uh, yeah, I wonder how long this will last. I'm guessing it'll last as long as Jeff Lemire wants to be the writer of it. All right. And, uh, so that's five bucks, and then to round out my twenty, I've got Black Canary Ten and Earth Two Society Number Eleven, both uh, books I come back to uh, each each month um, to round out my twenty to an exact twenty. Hmm. Nice. Um, now my books, I, I've, I've got a little bit of a cheat going because Wonder Woman Earth One. I was like, oh, this is going to be my twenty. So it's a twenty-three dollar book, actually. Um, but you can buy it on Amazon. Um, well, you could have pre-ordered it on Amazon for thirteen seventy-nine, both the hardcover and the Kindle edition. Um, however, that is no longer the case on the hardcover. It's now available 
in Amazon, um, and the hardcover has been raised to, I think, about $15 or $16. It's uh, kind of a bummer. But uh, $13.79 still for the Kindle edition, which is almost half price. Totally worth it. I've, I ordered over the Kindle edition. Um, and that was delivered today to my Kindle. And my other book, so I'm counting that as $13.79. So we're going to call that $14. Bucks. Um, my other book is Star Wars C-3PO number one by James Robinson and Tony Harris. If, if they got like anybody else doing this book, it, they'd really have to sell me on it. But I'm buying this just for the creative team. Um, and I think they know that people are buying this just for the creative team. Yeah, yeah. I, I know there was a lot of delays on this book. Um, but man, like, I don't care when you put this out, I would buy it. So, so the retail value of my 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 twenty is twenty eight dollars, but really it's like nineteen dollars, <laughs> because <laughs> uh, that's how much I'm spending. <laughs> that's fine. And uh, but House of Penance, I will definitely be be reading that as well. I'm mean, I'm super excited for that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, Dave and I, we we for the uh, the the book club this week. We decided after recording last week's podcast that we we're going to do uh, the Robert Kirkman series, Outcast, Volume One, because Comicsology was having a half price sale on a bunch of image uh, volume ones. And I basically said to Dave, just pick one. And he picked that. And both of us liked Volume One so much that I read Volume Two because you said you were getting Volume Two. Did you finish Volume Two? Oh, yeah. I, I, I read it all like in one day. I, I, this was a great book. Oh my God, Outcast is so. If you're not reading Outcast, you're not reading what I think is Robert Kirkman's best comic. Uh, this is if you think Walking Dead is creepy, like you're yeah, wrong. This, this is creepy AF. Um, yeah, no, Outcast is super creepy, but it's so good. And um, how do you pronounce the artist's last name? I, I've met him before. I, I'm just worried about butchering it. Uh, go on and butcher it because you know I'm I'm never any better than you <laughs> at picking out uh you know or, or saying uh yeah, I knew it's Paul. Um, his art is so freaking cool. Uh, it's very grounded in reality, but it's also the way he draws those demons is super creepy. Yeah. Um. And the. He he has a great way of showing when someone's possessed. Yeah, it's Paul, definitely... oh, that little like twitch of their lip, it, and I love the way he does those tiny panels to like show you the interactions between people, and they're yeah. on like every page. It it reminds me that little uh, trick there uh, of of the panel. Um, right. It it reminds me so much of uh, of. Andrea Sorrentino with um, mm. with Jeff Lemire and like how they'd be like they would do that kind of stuff with uh, they do it on Old Man Logan they've done it on uh, Green Arrow where they're like oh and check this out this is like the detail of what's happening um, and I'm not saying that that they came up with that but because um, I've seen that done other places as well um, but it really it it kind of it it, it 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 works on such a creepy level no. and and you know Lemire and uh Sorrentino aren't using it in a creepy way but you know I think uh Kirkman has and um has really unlocked 
the creepiness of that you know yeah. like this is something that not everybody is seeing but this is what we are allowing you to see with the camera right and, and it reads so much better in collected editions i bought the first issue because uh paul azaceta was at midtown comics doing a signing when uh when it first came out i think he lives in new york city um and he was really you know thankful for everyone who came out and i had never heard of him before so i thought this was like his first book and that robert kirkman just discovered him out of nowhere now that's not the case because if you look at his comicsology credits yeah you know, he, he was the artist on punisher noir um he's done a bunch of image stuff a bunch of like uh dynamite stuff he had a run on x-men for a bit um some some dark horse stuff at bprd and conan um so yeah, he's he's been around for a while. And that but his art is just perfect for this kind of storytelling. And I also think that Robert Kirkman has benefited from being a TV writer. I think it's made him a stronger comic book writer or just a stronger writer. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. Like um, I, I think being in a writer's room and working with professional TV writers has has not saying that he wasn't a great writer beforehand, but I, I think it has really helped him hone his craft. Uh, I'd agree. And it, this has a very uh, TV look to it or or a cinematic look to it. And, and sometimes the uh, preacher here uh, hmm. reminds me of um, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh, yeah, I can totally see that. I find that like the guy who's like the devil... Um, Reminds me of, of what's his name from Mad Men, the Silver oh, Fox. So yeah, yeah, John yes, Slatter. Yes. Yeah, that is who I see when I like when I look at those panels. And then yeah, I was like, it, the main sometimes sometimes Terrence Stamp, but uh, but mostly John Slattery. Yeah, totally. And he would play a, that part perfectly. Oh yeah, just like he's so charming on Mad Men, and he yes. was such a jerk when he was on the TV show Ed. So like playing a charming jerk is like you know. Yeah, the blend of his talents. Yeah, and he could be sly and creepy. Uh, I think on Mad Men too. Totally. Um, uh, and the the main, you know, what I I really enjoy about this series is that like, um, it kind of addresses a little bit like uh, why people with uh, who have like uh, poltergeists and um demonic possessions follow them around like why that happens you know yeah and and, and you know in in this fictional world um and uh it you know i i used to watch uh that that goofy show um uh it was uh paranormal state okay on a and a and it was you know the bunch of college students and they have this like paranormal research uh society and it was you know a reality show where they would run around and me and my my buddy gary we would we, <laughs> we would watch it all the time and it was like you know like goofy fake where you could see it's like you know kids being afraid of their own shadow kind of thing you know right. um and uh you know like hearing a noise would be like what's that let's talk to the ghost and tell them to do it again you know um and that kind of goofy stuff and, but they would there was like somewhat of a, a a thread where they would follow one character or one person who had like you know uh these demonic possessions uh follow them um so and uh that would be pretty uh 
and you'd be like, why is that one guy like this guy's just obviously crazy, <laughs> right? Um, or or a nut job or whatever. So, but um, but yeah, so I was like, oh, that's kind of cool that they like hit on that that thing that I was, you know, picking up on, and I'm sure that other people pick up on. Gotcha. With yeah. those, I, those I, real life stories, I say in quotes, you know. Now this. Uh... Like the first two trades are out. We both read the first two trades. So I was like immediately like, okay, when's the third trade come out? It doesn't come out until June. Um, and it, it, it's always that temptation to start buying this in single issues, but I know I won't enjoy it as much as I will just reading it like in a collective edition. Yeah. And I think the great thing that um, Sky, what Skybound does is they don't put chapters in their books. Yeah. And you just like plow through them and you're like, oh, I guess I... I guess I read that whole book. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I'm starting to figure out where chapters begin and end. It's usually it ends on a splash page and then starts up at like a you know a six panel page, like the next page. Yeah, so, yeah. Like someone's waiting at somebody's door, that kind of thing. But yeah, <laughs> Scott, uh, they're they're really great about like there are there are issues where things just blend, especially with like with with birthright when we were reading that. Right. I, I have no idea where some of those issues began and ended. And I think that's the same reason why we we like uh, plowed through that as well because it's it's a great story. You don't have any like stopping point. And you know, uh, a lot of times when I'm reading trades and like I hit like a breaking point, I'll be like, okay, so I'm gonna stop and go do right. what I, I I have to do today, and uh, I'll get back to this. But there's there's no signifier really in there except if you're looking for it, you know. Totally. And so if you're not looking for it, you could hit the end uh, before you know it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Outcast definitely recommended. This is the first book where Dave and I read the first trade and then immediately went into the second. Actually, I take that back. I think I did that with Birthright also. Yeah, we both did that for Birthright too. Yeah. So um, Image really knocked it out of the park. Yeah, uh, Skybound in particular. Yeah. Because uh, Birthright's a Skybound book too, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so next week, we're going to be reading Wonder Woman Earth One, Volume One by Grant Morrison and Yannick Paquette. Uh, I have been waiting for this book for so long. I cannot wait. I took a peek at lunch today, and uh, the first few pages are intense. Oh, interesting. Well, I know the art score just, just from the previews I've seen. Yeah. Um, just knowing Yannick Paquette is just an amazing artist. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I'm super excited for this. We're going to be reading that next week. Um, yeah, I don't think we have time really to go into reviews of this week's books. All I will say is Black Widow is my new favorite book at Marvel. If you're not reading Black Widow by Wade and Sammy, you got to read it. First yeah. issues are intense. I will say quickly, um, I, I hope uh, Bloodlines gets a little better. I'm not a fan of the art. And... Yeah, I, 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 what it was, yeah, it seemed like a a brett booth like ripoff yeah but like brett booth has like a better idea of how anatomy works yeah um like that that first page like a kid's lying on uh, a pillow with his head sideways and i'm like is that his chest or his shoulders because someone doesn't know how anatomy works <laughs> um yeah i thought it showed promise I, I i don't know if i'll be around for issue two though yeah i might just because uh you know I'm a I'm a big fan of the bloodlines. I might <laughs> I might I might try out issue two. Um and then uh but I might wait till it drops in price. Yeah. 
Um, and just quickly, what did you think of the Dark Side War special? It was good. It was it was it was good. Um, a lot of it, like I, uh, you kind of knew a little bit of. Yeah, I thought they were good character studies, but it, like uh, the art was completely gorgeous, especially the Ivan Rice art. Right. Um, I liked where it got into like like present day stuff because that seemed like the most important. Yeah, I liked the uh, what was going on inside Valthum's ring. So I, I thought that was really cool. Yeah, that, the, that the just, I thought the Jessica Cruz stuff was better than the the Grail stuff. Yeah, and uh, Darkseid's daughter Grail, um, in the Vibe comics, she was um, held uh, at um, a uh, an Argus facility. Oh, interesting. And I was wondering if they were going to get into any of that, or they, but they just dismissed it, like or didn't touch on it. So, so did she first appear in Vibe? She never appeared there, but um Was there like a cell that said Grail on it? Right, and then and then she escaped. Gotcha. So um hmm. and uh what was I gonna say? Yeah, that, that book I thought overall was good. Um the one thing I thought was weird though was Wonder Woman I didn't realize is like thousands of years old in the new fifty two. Because when Grail escapes, they show them like encountering Roman centurions, and she's born on the same day as, as Diana. Right. Um, and like, you know, she's like fighting through the centuries the way that like Wolverine and Sabretooth were in like Wolverine Origins, except uh, except going back like to like Roman times. And I was like, oh man. So Wonder Woman's actually like 2,000 years old, and it makes it kind of like creepy when she enters the world of men and like starts dating Superman. I'm like, you're dating a really senior citizen, Superman. Right, right. That's pretty funny. Like, still Wonder Woman. I get it, but but that that is like that is real Cougar Town right there. <laughs> real Cougar Town. <laughs> that's Wonder the, Woman Earth One. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's that's the uh, that's the new Courtney Cox Wonder Woman series that's coming out soon. Oh boy. Yeah. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Thanks for all the new listeners. Uh, who reached out to me this week saying that they were going to give us a listen. And uh, Dave and I will be back next week with another episode of the Tuesday Night Comics Podcast. We're going to be talking Wonder Woman Earth 1, so make sure to read it and uh, see if you agree with what we have to say. Yeah, Cougar Town's coming your way. Wonder Woman Earth (laughs) 1. In the meantime, have an awesome Tuesday night. And a great new comics Wednesday. And many happy tomorrows. Yeah. And like a decent Thursday.